Welcome back to Normans Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. On a special Legends episode of Normans Like Us, we enter with the dragon himself, Bruce Lee. Be formless, shapeless. Don't think, be It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Now water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend. We're back. Hey, normies. Uh, kind of down some normies. It's just your host, Colin. And Mike. Now, Mike, would you say that we lost the other two guys in a game of death, that you and I are alone on an island tournament, back-to-back in a hall of mirrors, about to do a badass fight uh, without our buddies? I would say this is probably the return of the dragons, and let's leave it up to our fists of fury. To, <laughs> I would say uh, we're the double there's... dragons. Yeah, there's definitely no Chinese connection, though. Yes. Chinese connection. So broadly oh. ripping off French connection, Italian connection, every one of those films. It's fine, though, because then everybody else ripped off who we're going to be talking about today. That's, uh, if you didn't get our references, Normies, it's Bruce Lee episode, another legend of cinema. Yeah, we did a couple Legends episodes in the past. Normies, go back and check them out. We talked about Stanley. We talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Mike, I think you pitched on that Arnold episode. we got to talk about Bruce Lee at some point. I said to you off pod, let's do it now. Like, he's sort of back in the zeitgeist a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just, he's just too legendary, like, for where we are now with, you know, martial arts and popular culture and even, like, what UFC is, for example, and, like, MMA. Like Bruce Lee was basically pioneering MMA. So even beyond cinema and like culture, he broke down so many barriers. It's just, I feel like he's getting slept on, uh, as the kids say these days. No, all the meatheads doing triangle tilts literally don't realize that the master who invented, like you're saying, everything that they love was the, the reason we were talking about in our TNT episode the mysticism behind ninjas and karate and all that. Like, as little kids, we were absorbing that, too. Uh, and I can't remember in that episode, Mike, can we talk about, do you have a history of taking karate in a strip mall, you know, in the 90s, as everybody else did? Yes, I absolutely do. Uh, it was actually, I did it in high, like in high school. But, oh, uh, I had, like, karate VHS tapes, and, like, I watched Bruce Lee videos on loop and stuff. I mean, you know, dressing up as a ninja running around, it's like, all that explosion of the martial arts, you know, started in the 70s when Bruce Lee really became the first breakout, you know, Asian actor, movie action star, like period. Uh, yeah, in the period. Yeah. yeah. And that paved the way for Jackie Chan and Jet Li and, you know, tons of other people who, you know, Tony Jaa, if you're into the Protector series, things like that. All that starts with Bruce. Mike, it led to a genre that people lovingly called Bruce exploitation, which was literally Bruce is gone. What are we going to do? Yeah, and they just began cloning them. Um, I do want to ask you, though, in a Bruce Lee themed quick segment, whatcha been up to? <laughs> I've got my pinkies out. I'm doing the intense, like bouncing in place, breathing as I'm thinking about it. I'll talk about it a little bit later because it does tie to this, but I saw okay. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm going to use that as my watch later when we talk a little bit about the legacy of Bruce Lee. And if you've seen the trailers, Bruce Lee seems featured in that movie. So cool. Oh, he's there. Mike Moe playing him, getting his own billboard. Uh, maybe a little more questionable after seeing the film where I'm thinking, 
really? Like that's he got his own billboard for a five minute role, but okay, I'm down for it. But Mike, I'll throw it back to you. Whatcha? Well, um, as we talked about on the D and D episode, I've been running this session. We did our second session. Everybody got to level three, and we have a monk uh, in that party. So that's like another thing of this idea of the the bare fisted martial artist. You know, taking down enemies with a flurry of blows is like a move that you can use in D&D. It's like even that probably was influenced by Bruce Lee in some way. But his name is Lee Bruce. <laughs> yeah, it's Lee Bruce. Bruce Chi. <laughs> so, Bruce uh, Chi. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, just been in the D&D zone. But I am really excited to get into kind of the meat of the episode with Bruce Lee because he was... He still is one of my heroes. I think he's like one of the coolest dudes that ever lived. I, you know, I've read his books... Um, Tao of Jeet Kune Do, you know, and like where he had his own sketches in there and I had all the DVDs. My cousin made me like a Bruce Lee painting that is on the wall at my office at work right now. Like, you know, I've been a huge Bruce Lee fan for a long time. So let me ask you about your background with, uh, with a dragon. I'm curious if, you know, I said it a little bit before, generationally, because he was the late 60s, early 70s star. Died in 1973. You didn't see a Game of Death come out until like 78 or something like that. Five years after he died, right? Um, so was he our generations? No, not really. My grandma was taking me to see Rush Hour, and I was discovering Jackie Chan and being like, oh, cartoons can be people. Like, that's sort of what martial arts movies meant to me. And then my brother and I were like, let's get Drunken Master, let's get Police Story. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through that island blockbuster, which used to be the best way, of course, to get exposed to these things, you are picking up those Jackie Chan movies, what's going to be right next to it? Enter the yeah. Dragon. And you're going exactly. to eventually see Enter the Dragon and say, like, oh, this is what it's all about. So, you know, I saw that as a kid. And then, of course, going to college and meeting guys who were like, Whoa, you like kung fu films, you like Shaw Brothers, you know, Chinese movies, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You've got to love Bruce Lee, right? Let me ask you this, Mike. Like, where does it come for you? Because you're saying you loved him, you had the posters, you read the books and stuff. Is it your dad? Was he watching those movies and being like, oh, watch this guy kick Chuck Norris's ass? Or was it just you discovering? As with like 90% of the things we talk about on this show, is like my older cousin. Um, kind of got me into it because, you know, he was a little bit older, so he had farther reach into the past to, like, bring stuff up to share with us. So I think he's the one who first showed me. We watched Enter the Dragon, you know, and, like, that scene with all the mirrors. I mean, John Wick copied that. John Wick too. Oh, yeah. You know, like so. And if you have a keen eye, you'll see that Jackie Chan's in that. But Jackie Chan was also in, um, I think, Fists of Fury. Yeah, so. I think with, like, hair down to his shoulders, too. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like so badass Jackie. young Jackie Chan. Exactly. All right, my last question for you as a yeah. young man, Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. How many pairs of nunchucks did you own? I own two pairs of nunchucks, a white <laughs> pair, a black pair. I would definitely stand in front of the mirror and try to do it. <laughs> Never successful. All right. Um, the real question is how many pairs do you still own? <laughs> yeah, Chuck, <laughs> I would kill for like a real like chain linked. Yeah. You know, the ones we had were kid with a foam rubber string in between. With them. a string, yeah. And I think I would swing and hit my brother in the head as hard as I could. I think it snapped probably like the second time. You know, wasn't just a jackass. Kid. Well, they have the plastic tube in the middle too. It's yeah. like two millimeters thick wall diameters. But I probably had a ton of those. But I've had probably four or five different pairs of nunchucks. I'm actually like decent at nunchaku. <laughs> All right, I, I asked the wrong guy then. I'm yeah, but I have step into the ring with actually. Muhammad Ali right now. <laughs> 
I can oh, really, like, flip awesome, them over dude. your wrist. I can do like you know tricks. You know, because I, I, I was okay. a big Bruce Lee fan. Like I would. All right, but know, let me ask you this, Michelangelo: Can you do the balancing <laughs> on your fingers, spinning around, holding a pizza? <laughs> That's what I'm still aspiring to get to. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully one day we'll get there, but I cannot. Um. Should we jump into this? Should we jump kick yeah, into dude. this, uh, the career, life, and history and legacy of Bruce Lee? I love it. Let's hit it. Let's break that board. We're talking Bruce Lee. We're talking the man, the myth, the legend, because it is sort of a legend. Because my guy, if you notice, obviously not born Bruce Lee. A lot of people come over here westernizing him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was born, he was Lee Jung Fan. But he was born in America. Yes, that's very true. Uh, Hong Kong parents, a very famous father who was involved in the Chinese opera scene, came over to America. That he was born in San Francisco in Chinatown. And, you know, you see this all over the Wikipedia, you see it all over the world, but it is a true fact. He is the West and the East, right? I mean, he's the guy who made the representation of what we think cool martial arts Asian dudes are. Yeah, and for a long time, people, like, speculated, uh, because his mother was, like, Eurasian, like, she had had a mixed uh, descent, and they were speculating, oh, his uh, grandpa was half German or something. Um it still seems like during an interview um, in San Francisco when his parents were leaving because they wanted him to have, you know, the U.S. citizenship as well when they were heading back to Hong Kong, they asked, like, what about your mother's side? And she said her mother was English. And they said, does your mother have any English blood? And Bruce Lee's mother said none. So uh, in the official records, you know, of the state of California, uh, his mother alleges that her mother was English. And there's a story that it could have been, like, a mistress with his father, you know, his grandfather, Whoa. nobody really knows. But so this I have not heard that. That's like the, the deep cut I wanted to bring in because he is that East and West combined. And because of like his family's Hong Kong influence and like there's the British influence, right? There, the speculation of him not being full-blooded Chinese was like even back when he was oh, a kid and on. he would get shit for that too. Like he would get discriminated against like, oh, you're not, you know, really Chinese or whatever. So for him to come full circle and become the alpha male, like, paragon of what a cool Asian martial arts fucking hero is and create representation that makes people proud of their heritage when he got shit for it. I just think that's really interesting. It's remarkable. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I've never heard that. I've heard the Germanic rumors and stuff before, but let me say this, listeners. It's still murky, Uh, let's be clear. I'm just going off the California records. Yeah. Let me say this, listeners, you know, trigger warning, I guess, because we're going to be talking a lot this episode. The story of Bruce Lee is the story of adversity and racism. We should say that pretty much up front. Breaking down those barriers specifically, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot. He was, like we said, been he's been fighting adversity, literally and metaphorically, his whole life, yeah. So, okay, he's a guy grown up. He goes back to Hong Kong, right? He's super interested in martial arts. He's learning, he's learning, he's learning. I mean, he hooks up with the master at man. He's running Wing Chun. He's like learning his own martial arts. He's back to the states at eighteen. Starts auditioning for stuff. And he's a personal trainer. He's working in Washington. Starts being a personal trainer to start. Think about this. He's training uh, Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know Lee Marvin. 
uh, James Coburn, the badass dudes of the 60s, who everybody's like, oh my God, those are the toughest white guys on the planet. Who was teaching yeah. them to be tough? Bruce Lee. And yeah, meanwhile, yeah. he's like going out and auditioning and people are like, no, 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 we can't put you in anything. You're, you're, you know, you're too yellow, basically. You're not a white What guy, are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, he's training all the coolest guys. Um, even like, you know, down the road, it's like Chuck Norris is involved. So everyone's like, oh, you know, Chuck Norris is such like a, a meme lord now. But it's like, you know, Bruce Lee was teaching him how to be even tougher, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, he had his hand in every pot that we talked about it. He's buddies with Jackie Chan, who was just an extra on one of his films. He's like, oh my God, he was just like the nicest guy in the world. I had not so much. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he's training, okay? And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is saying, you are the most badass motherfucker in the world. Get into these movies. So yeah. he gets over to Warner Brothers' lot, right? And he starts developing a TV show. He says, I want to make this show called The Warrior. about a Shaolin monk who goes to the Wild West. So it's about China coming to the modern world. And people yeah. pick on him. And he's a fucking badass. He just breathes and blows it off and beats up everything, right? Mm-hmm. So Warner Brothers goes, that's a genius idea. And they steal that idea from him. And say, yeah. let's call it Kung Fu with David Carradine, who has never done karate in his life. Yeah, which, I mean, that's typical Hollywood of the era. Um, and the, David Carradine and this whole connection comes full circle around maybe near the end of this uh, when we talk about influences. That uh, a little QT, maybe even Quentin Tarantino connection as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Are you, were you familiar with Kung Fu? Grasshopper, you know, quite the phenomenon. I, I didn't watch it. Like, I'm familiar with just like the Grasshopper, you know, like the, the Zinger, but I've never, I've never seen the Kung Fu show because I was too busy watching like Drunken Master on VHS and like... Oh, uh, my man. Yeah, like the real shit. The stuff that the Wu-Tang Clan would be proud to watch. Yes, dude. Which I'm wearing my Wu-Tang shirt. I don't have a Bruce shirt, but yeah. Oh, I do love that Clan. Let's just say this. They would not exist without Bruce Lee either. Because that influx of importing more, you know, Chinese action cinema. Anyway, let's stay on Bruce. No, Um, but let's stay with... Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it wasn't a big in my household. My dad would talk about it a lot, and when we saw Kill Bill, he'd be like, "That's the guy!" <laughs> oh my god, you know. But that's that. That doesn't really. But the fact that but, they stole know, it from him, yeah. But it doesn't get Bruce down. One, we have the power of hindsight, and that we know now, Cinemax made the warrior. They picked it up like uh, John Chu, who was one of the directors of GI Joe Retaliation, and all that stuff. Was like, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. Let's adapt this old show. They make it now. It's supposedly quite good. You're on season two on Cinemax. Nice. But also, you have quotes from Bruce himself. He goes, "I get it. You know, they were worried about putting a yellow guy in a, in a TV show for white people. Hey, here's the thing." If we took the, the show to Hong Kong, I'd be nervous about casting a white guy. You know, so he had that perspective. He did kind of have that that global perspective and that multicultural because of like his family's influence in Hong Kong and being kind of back and forth. He, he was always aware of that. And that's a lot of what he was kind of trying to push against. Part of why he wanted to do the movies is because he's like, I can educate people about real martial arts like through yeah. cinema you know because he so, was a real martial artist because in the mm-hmm. meantime like like during these auditions he's doing bouts and presentations and demonstrations which we all know through karate is a very prestigious art of i want to show what i can do i want to show my philosophy absolutely and even early on like he was teaching these westerners 
you know, Chinese martial arts. And that is like sacrilege at the time. What Bruce Lee was doing was causing a lot of, um, causing himself a lot of problems within the martial arts community in China and even in like San Fran the San Francisco, Oakland Bay area. And this led to an infamous fight where he fought a local martial arts master in Oakland for the right to teach non-Chinese students. Wow. And allegedly this fight um, consisted of like a couple seconds of Bruce Lee wrecking the guy and then a minute of the guy just trying to stay as far away from Bruce Lee as possible. <laughs> so the idea so that isn't that the movie, Mike? If you make a Bruce Lee movie, don't you just make it that one day where he's challenging another dojo? Like that is what the trope is, but he did it in real life. Yeah, you know? he did. Oh, Mike, he pulled a karate kid is what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. But how cool. He's like, everyone should be able to learn martial arts. What's the deal? Why is it just for Chinese or, you know? And he's like pushing through that barrier. And then through cinema, it just goes even further to gain interest. Like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a seven-foot-tall basketball player. You could learn Come Kung on. Fu, too. How cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's get that wingspan out there. Let's get you front kicking dudes through doors from a mile away. <laughs> and he was in Game of Death, which we'll get to as we roll through yes. the film career here. But yeah, let's um, jump to his next big notable thing, yes. right? So he's doing these auditions, he's doing these presentations. This is where we get a lot of the footage that you see that you can hit on YouTube right now. We'll post on the normals of him doing the one inch punch, of him showing mm -hmm. off breaking the boards at lightning speed with his long kicks, right? Uh, but right. so what does he actually nail audition wise? It's a sidekick role on an upcoming TV show called Green Hornet. And for the normies out there, what, what is the Green Hornet? Because I've seen obviously okay. the Kato show as it's known in Hong Kong. Kato show. Mike, have you seen the updated movie? <laughs> I'm curious about this. Like, what is your history with it at all? I, I never watched a ton of it. I would just watch, you know, like the Kato scenes. I never saw like a whole yeah. episode of the Green Hornet, but um, especially like there's a scene where Bruce Lee is just making a statement to like the police chief and he just basically destroys all the furniture in his office. That's like one of my favorite yeah. scenes. And he kicks the light on the ceiling, like above his head. It's like so sick. Yeah. Um, but I actually like the Seth Rogen one because the thing about the Green Hornet, it's like a poor man's Batman, right? Like the Green Hornet is a guy with a, with masks over his eyes, kind of like the Lone Ranger. He walks around with like a Dick Tracy trench coat and, uh, he just, punches people and then his sidekick is Cato, who's the martial arts master. And then they're going around like solving crimes with a bow, Pazinga, very comic booky, kinda of like Adam uh, West but era. Mike, I love that you just literally called like truly all the homages to it. Like that is truly where it came from. All that pulp stuff, blah blah blah, mm -hmm. rolled into it. Lone Ranger, like hundred percent you're right. So they introduced the Brett Eklund character, quote unquote, who's the Green Hornet. You know, exactly what you said. He's Adam West's smarmy Batman. He's a playboy by day, newspaper mogul, but at night, he's the vigilante the Green Hornet. But right. the issue is, is that the Green Hornet can't do anything. He's a moron who just holds a machine gun in the background. So, he gets his father's orphaned mechanic, who just sort of grew up with him, you know, worked on his cars, always made him his special coffee, which is why in the movie you get the homage of that, you know, latte, espresso maker machine. Yeah, uh, Kato as the assistant, a kung fu master. Uh, I mean, it's awesome, right? You know, to have the goofy sidekick and put to the front. It's something you really won't see until like Big Trouble Little China, where Kurt Russell's the lead, quote unquote, but he's an idiot, and you've got the guy in the background doing everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's really funny that when they did do the Seth Rogen one, they flipped it 
on its head to where like Cato knows that the Green Hornet is an idiot. Like he he makes like the sleep gun for him, and then and Seth he Rogen's wants like, him to be good. Yeah, yeah. Seth Rogen's like, well, "Where's your sleep gun?" He's like, "You're just so special. I only made one for you. Like you, you use the sleep gun. I don't, I don't, you, I don't deserve it. You know, like he plays into like you're you're the lead. Don't worry. But Cato knows yeah. he's really running the show. I thought that was a fun angle to take it because everybody knew when you watched the Green Hornet, you were watching it for Bruce Lee's martial arts prowess. I mean, so again, we're talking about older generation stuff. I talked to my dad right before we recorded. I said, hey, is this what we're going to do? Blah, blah, blah. I remember you talking about this. Were you a Green Hornet fan? So, well, you know, I was a Batman fan. You'd stick around for Green Hornet. And sometimes they'd cross over and it's great. But we would all watch Green Hornet for Bruce Lee. Nobody was watching it for anything but him. I said, that's incredible. Exactly. And that's why I mentioned the Cato show. Um, when they took it to market in Hong Kong, no one like understood why the Green Hornet was the main character because he was so useless in the fight scenes. Like, this is makes no sense, and they're like, um, "No, this is called the Kato Show," and that's Super how it Sentai ran in Hong Kato Kong. Show. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, there's actually a really great story. Um, just to get uh, the last my last thoughts about Green Hornet out. There's a great story about. Batman, like Adam West and Burt Ward, and then the Green Hornet um, with Bruce Lee. So there was a crossover episode planned where the two groups were going to encounter each other, and they were going to get in like a confrontation to where Cato and Robin would end up fighting each other. Uh, and the writers man. had written it so that Robin would defeat Cato. Yeah. And apparently Bruce Lee like saw this, and he's like, nah, screw this. And even Burt Ward was like, this is ridiculous. Like I, I've seen what he can do. Robin can't beat him. I know a little bit of karate, but this is ridiculous. So then they rewrote it to where it was going to be a draw. And then on the day of shooting, Bruce Lee just in full costume walks in. Let you know he comes in and he doesn't speak to anybody. And before the take goes, where he's going to fight um, Burt Ward, he just sits down and just stares him down across the room, like so intense, full costume, not speaking. And then when they get ready to shoot the scene. Take your marks, everybody. Bruce Lee just overshoots his mark, fist clench, walking straight towards Burt Ward, who begins to run away saying things like, it's just a TV show, calm down. <laughs> At which point, um, Adam West sees this and starts, he thinks it's hilarious and starts making like, bark, 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 bark. At which oh point, God. Bruce Lee breaks his kayfabe, starts laughing and says, it's all right, man, let's just do the scene. So he was just kind of taking the piss out of it. But I just think that's funny. That, prankster. Yeah, Bruce Lee scared the shit out of Robin in front of Batman. You know, oh so my God. that's one. Go back and listen to our Batman episode if you want more about that side of things. But I just think that's hey, did great. You, did you ever hear that rumor when they made the Seth Rogen movie that they were trying to get a crossover where Nick Cage would play Batman as the old Adam West style? Oh, no way. They were going to do that? Yeah, in another world, dude. In another we would have had world. Superman and Batman as Nick Cage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bummed out. So this I is really, the, the Green Hornet is kind of what put him on the map, right? It is, but we should also say it breaks him, Mike. Like, let's talk about this. So you talk about transferring it over to Hong Kong. Where they love yeah. He's a star. It's the, it's the Kato show. Mm -hmm. So here's the genius move that Bruce Lee does that I think signifies him as the genius and legend of a generation that he is. He gets so fed up with Green Hornet. I don't want to be the sidekick. 
I want to be the star. So it's not working at all. What am I going to do? I'll go back to Hong Kong. I'll go make Chinese movies. I will go be a star over there, and they will be so good that they get imported to America, and then we'll start making them in English. I mean, that's exactly. a guy who, you know, I talked about it before, of making your own thing, of just, you know, carving out your own niche and saying, like, I'm so good at this. Why won't the world acknowledge it? Let me go do it myself. Bruce Lee fucking did that, Mike. You want to create a genre, and yeah, he did that exact thing. Um, so of these kind of the the main, um, it's like the main four, uh, but before, like not counting Enter the Dragon, like do you have a favorite yeah. of like the early Bruce Lee films uh, between? Yeah, the- I will say, uh, if I can jump in, you know, if we're just going to talk about these early ones. We're talking about ones that are directed by sort of other people. You've got The Big Boss, where he plays a co-lead. You've got Fist of Fury, where again, he's working with Lo Wei, who was the boss of that. Got Way of the Dragon, uh, and then got like you said, Chinese Connection, Enter the Dragon, Chinese Connection as well as that's now. Um, I would say Way of the Dragon, Chinese Connection is my favorite because Mike he directs it, he writes it, and he stars in it. Right, that's what it gets so because um, the titles get changed a lot. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm a big fan of the Big Boss because I, I like when um, he's just working at an ice factory and gets fed up by the exploitive labor practices. Ooh, hold on. I have not seen that one. Can you give me like a quick plot rundown on that? That sounds great. So Big Boss is like Bruce Lee works at this basically ice factory and then it's like managed by like some gangster ass fool, right? And so like he's trying to like, they're sneaking drugs in the ice blocks and it's somehow one of them falls off and breaks. They see the drugs hidden inside of the ice and he's like, Nah, fuck this. I think they go on strike, at which point the boss sends his goons to fuck everybody up. And then Bruce Lee, like, oh, fights the goons. And then it's like, nah, it's it's a real pro-labor movie, a pro-union movie, yeah. I'm actually looking wow. at the scene right now where, where the ice discovers the cocaine or whatever, so. Yeah, again, that cannot happen. <laughs> that is an incredible movie thing to hide cocaine and yeah. solid blocks of ice but that is incredible <laughs> and fists of fury is also known as the chinese connection yeah. they're not two movies let's be clear no. and then it's incredibly the other, confusing yep um do you want to we want to run down through the other ones because i think people also like way of the dragon aka return of the dragon which that yes. has the famous uh chuck norris scene but we can kind of step so through. way of the dragon is my favorite i'll give you a quick plot breakdown of that and again favorite quote unquote because enter the dragon is up on a pedestal in outer space you know shining down on all of us uh yeah yeah the way of the dragon it's his pink panther is the best way that i would describe it if you were a fan of the Cluso movies in the 70s yeah it's like a screwball comedy it highlights the humor as much as it does the the kung fu and uh he plays so the plot is there's a restaurant that's getting shaken down by mobsters it's a chinese restaurant in Rome, uh, you know, so it is very international, and they are it is English dub, yep. um, where they say, oh, what are we going to do? Let's reach out to one of our cousins back in China or Hong Kong. They'll come over here and, uh, I guess, act as a bodyguard for us. And it's Bruce Lee, this country bumpkin, who's a fish-out-of-water story for the entire time, yep. who just happens to be a martial arts master. He's getting, like, roughed up by, like, Italian goons and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, their bell-bottoms. It's so cool. Yeah. Of getting shaken down by, like you said, a Sasquatch hairy Chuck Norris. I mean, this guy takes his shirt off and you're like, wow, it goes all the way down. He looks like Dr. Zayas from uh, Planet of the Apes. I mean, he's <laughs> oh, getting in the ring with Bruce Lee. And then, like you said, Mike, the humor, 
You're getting a close-up on Bruce's face in text. You're getting a close-up of Chuck's face. This is Chuck's first movie. Nobody even knows who he is. He's looking badass. He doesn't even have a, a beard. No, he doesn't even have a beard. And we get a close-up of a kitten. <laughs> it's like, what is that? And the kitten's just watching the fight. And they cut back to it multiple times. It's yeah, like they, multiple it's, there's, times. There's some theme that they're trying to get across with this cat. I, I Maybe it's like the cat-like agility of Bruce Lee. That's the only thing I could ever yes, come up with. Yes, yeah, sure, Mike. I absolutely accept that. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I'm, I'm watching these labor goons try to get them to make ice. Um yeah, that one is great. They fight in the Coliseum. It's super iconic, though. And it's like, who would win in a fight between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris? We've already seen it. We've already seen it, guys. <laughs> it's Bruce Lee. So, can we talk about the big one now? Well, so actually, what happens I want to... Oh, go right ahead. We just got to do uh, Fist of Fury, because that's like another, you know, classic. That's the first sighting of Jackie Chan in a Bruce Lee movie. Uh, he fights a... A samurai, let's say, for shorthand, but it's like a Japanese martial artist who has a samurai sword with his nunchaku. That's a very iconic scene. It's it's like during the time where Japan had like kind of a foothold in China, like it's set during that time period. So Bruce Lee's master is killed, and then he has to go and fight a bunch of like karate dudes, basically, to avenge his master. And and that movie is also kind of dealing with like uh, being... um, prejudice against you know chinese japan it's like this he's pushing through a barrier and like he's he's bringing up themes of prejudice and that too because of the time period it's set in he's able to like kind of play with that but the main thing is he fights a guy with a sword with nunchucks and it's very fucking cool and he defeats a whole dojo single-handedly and it it's it's sick so yeah all of this to say oh well i guess also quick game of death was the last one that he filmed but yeah yeah. Have you seen that one? That's one that one's a little harder for me because so many people bring up the fact that any scene you're really seeing with his back turned is not Bruce Lee. And he's really only in about twenty percent of the film, correct? Yeah, I only watched they did all of the final fight scenes and that's pretty much it. So the pagoda scenes as he works his way up, which was copied in Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> And many oh other things. God. He's working his way up the pagoda, fighting a different martial arts master every time until he gets to the top, where it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the master of Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's fighting style. Uh, but he's, oh, he's sensitive to bright light. Yeah. So, it's very awesome. That's The fight scenes are Oh, sick. yes. That's why they constantly shoot him in the dark shadow. Because when you and he starts poking up, holes. He's got the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, that's like peak Bruce Lee just doing martial arts. And the whole point of that was to highlight how Jeet Kune Do can adapt to different styles. So there's like a judo master. There's, you know, um, this is a bunch of different types of martial artists. I think there's an Eskrima fighter at one point. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, not finished, but some of the best fight scenes ever. Yeah. But hard to now, watch, though, I would say. Yeah. Now we get to. Let's talk about the master. Yeah, the first ever co-production between Hong Kong and the U.S. film industries. Yeah, Warner Brothers releases this, Mike. This is what we were talking about. So this guy had so many great connections, and he's building up such prestige for himself. And all the actors are like, they love him. They're training him. They want to hang out at his house. They think he's the coolest fucking guy ever. Truly, and so much so, he's not really a diva. So he starts making this thing, and he's the star. He's got final cut on it. He's got final cut basically on the script as well, although him and the director started to clash, and I really hate to hate to do this, Mike, but uh, 
Supposedly the director inserted a bunch of words with more R's in them to fuck over Bruce. That's fucking bullshit. Oh, that's really that's really yeah. underhanded to try to make it yes. hard. Yeah, fuck that. Um, yeah. But, but you yeah. got literally everything firing on all cylinders. And so much so that when Bruce is like, you know what? This thing's going to be fucking good. He goes back and reshoots the intro to make it the class where he's teaching at the dojo. And then you see all the students together. You see that huge fat guy do that backflip. It's like, what yep. the fuck? That's awesome. And there's the famous, you know, philosophy dump, you know, where he's like, um, it is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger. You'll miss all the heavenly glory. And he's like, just, uh, you know, don't think, feel like he's just yes. dumping his beliefs on you in that intro. So sick. He starts to say the stuff of fighting without fighting and, mm -hmm. you know, fight like water and stuff like that. Mike, let me ask you philosophically what you sort of think all that means. I would say what he really is getting down to in the principle of Bruce Lee's philosophy. And again, I'm not a guy who's read the book, so I would love to hear your take on yeah. this. But is that you should at least, you shouldn't punch for no reason. You have to have a passion or at least a insight behind your punch. And that strength is where real strength comes from. There's definitely that, the art of fighting without fighting. As he said, a big part of his philosophy, and I think especially this opening scene of Enter the Dragon, is like his, he's just trying to get it out there, is the whole be like water thing. He just says it explicitly. Water can flow or water can crash, you know? Um, yes. Jeet Kune Do is all about adapting. If, you know, my, my opponent expands, I contract. He contracts, I expand. You know, that's another Bruce Lee quote. It's just adapting do they have a weapon and you don't you have to adapt to that do you have a weapon and they don't adapt to that and like all that stuff even when he would have a weapon his mindset would be don't think about just the weapon hand think about everything else because then you're limiting yourself by only thinking about the hand that has the stick for example mm -hmm. so the water thing is really it can flow around obstacles but it can also wear down rock so it's just that adaptability adapt to situations whether it's cultural differences whatever you know just being adaptive in your life is like his main goal i guess so jeet kune do is that adaptive thing that became mma the idea of taking a little bit of karate a little bit of muay thai a little bit of jujitsu and putting that yeah, together yeah. that's like being like uh i'm gonna take some christianity some judaism a little bit of islam <laughs> and this is my new thing like people were so mad about that, like the traditional martial arts circles. And he had to fight to be allowed to do that. But he's like, this is more efficient. This is better. We just have the best of all worlds. And it's like, if I can mix martial arts, let's mix cultures. Let's, let's be excellent to each other, to quote Bill and Ted. Um, Damn. Mike, yeah. you could literally talk me into joining a Bruce Lee cult right now with all the stuff you just said. <laughs> I adore Bruce Lee. It's tragic that we lost him so early, but... Man, how, what a fucking rock star, you know? So the opening of Enter the Dragon is basically setting up this concept. And the rest of the movie is kind of, because it's American and Chinese, let's kind of explain the plot. It's like got a lot of James Bond influence. It's got oh, a little bit of the, a lot of um, James Bond influence, my friend. He is an MI6 operative who's being put together, taxed to go to an island to take on a bad guy. And like you said, co-financed by America... So you do see the racism aspect of, let's get two co-leads in there, a black guy and a white guy, and make sure they have just as big a storylines as Bruce Lee. Really, everybody goes, fuck you, we just want to see Bruce Lee. Right. But to their credit, I think that Roper and Williams, um, those characters, they, I think they're kind of your point of view characters, because um, 
Williams. I can't remember the actor's name right now, and I'm apologizing. He's but the old he, British white guy. No, Williams is the black guy. Oh, he's the he black was, guy with the Afro, sorry. Yeah, he became like a pretty big star of like the African-American martial arts movement following this. You know, I think I mean, he's in the film series Kung Fu Joe, right? Isn't that uh, sort of the black exploitation version of these? I, I yeah, so right. I would need to like, um, I would need to cross-reference that. But even his plot line, like I thought that was cool because that's the first time I heard some very crazy racial slurs because the the he's got a black power fist in his office dude and then he takes for the tournament i mean that was definitely the first time i was seeing that stuff and this is in the 70s and the cops basically stop him for no reason and start harassing him and giving him a hard time calling him all sorts of names and he has to like defend himself and it's like well that's some stuff like that we deal with even now like the kind of thing so I appreciate that that gave us a different perspective of a character. And I think even the Roper character was just like a greedy guy who's like, I'm just here for the money kind of thing. Yeah, so, I just think about those scenes where he picks all the Asian prostitutes where I'm like, well, this is so wrong. Well, the art of fighting without fighting, though, that's yeah. very wrong. Yeah, but when he... He, he seduces the, guy, the like, madam. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> let's Let's get to the boat. So... Um, you know, he gets on the boat and he's like, the guy wants to fight him. And he's like, oh, we shouldn't fight on the boat. It's too crowded. How about we fight on that island over there? It's like, all right. And he gets in the boat. He's like, you should, you know, the other opponent gets in the boat and he just pushes the lifeboat off and drags it behind the main ferry for the rest of the trip. He's like, that's the From other chain. Stop fighting. Yeah. I, look, and you know, I read, and maybe this is a rumor that you read too, that supposedly that scene was based on that they kept slowing down while shooting because he would just keep doing demonstrations for the crew and basically yeah. just like putting on Kung Fu bouts. <laughs> there was also a guy, there was one guy on Enter the Dragon who allegedly stepped to Bruce, who's a pretty good martial artist, but he was like, hey man, let's 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 have a go. Like I want to test it out. Why Bruce obviously doesn't fuck him up, but like defeats him easily, right? And then ends up giving him pointers on how to have better technique. Wow. Like the consummate teacher. Like he always wanted to teach. There's another story where he allegedly stopped a whole class for one student and gave the, the speech about, you know, you have all these preconceptions coming in here. You need to become an empty cup so that you can be filled with uh, water, presumably. <laughs> you know, but, you know, he's... Yeah. He loves water all- metaphors. Yeah, he loves water. He, so he would. He's a he's a he's a Pisces. I don't know really. <laughs> um, he's from Water Tribe. He's an Avatar. That's true. He can bend <laughs> water, my friend. So you know, he did slow down. But there, there's some such like you know, they get to the island. There's the iconic vistas. But um, do you think, think this is the best movie? Work. Do you think it is because of the plot? Because it works, and I mean, we talked about James Bond, but it works in such a simple way because it truly is. Go to the bad guy's island, beat each of the bad guy's henchmen until you beat the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, because it's like set up as a tournament, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the plot of the raid, though. It's like get to the top level. Or, you know, what True. you said about the pagodas, too. Right? It's very video game acts. Yeah, and then Bruce Lee's thing with martial arts was like the straight line is the shortest path. Like, you know, just a straight jab is better than like trying to fuck around with it. Like, the straight line is the shortest path, maybe with his. Um, storytelling same thing i work at an ice factory they're putting drugs in that's bad i I must stop them (laughs) they kill my master i fight i like um so enter the dragon we have again the famous training scene in the beginning um 
we have the mirror fight. He ends up freeing all of the captives underground. There's also like uh, an implication that they have been addicting these slave people. Like they have slaves or drugs and prostitution. Drugs and prostitution. So this needs to be shut down. Um, And that's what he proceeds. He goes up against a bad guy with a tiger claw. I mean, how fucking iconic is that, dude? That. That and he has all these artifacts in that office. Like, what a James Bond thing! This guy's been collecting like martial arts artifacts and weaponry, and he has this claw and fighting in the mirror room of even like when you don't have your sight and you can't trust your senses, how can you defeat an opponent? You know, it's it's almost Star Wars esque, and it's uh, use the force. And this came out in 1973. So, Mike, there's so many incredible edits of Enter the Dragon where he's doing the. Nunchaku, you know, bow, blah, 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 and all yep. the students come at him for that final fight where they edit lightsabers as the nunchucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome, dude. That's the underground fight, and that's the one with Jackie Chan is when he's in the underground lair. Oh, he's one he's of those free. guys running up? He's one of the guys running up, yeah. And I think in that scene, he accidentally punches him in the face. I don't know if it made the edit, but Jackie Chan was like, yeah, you know, it was okay because, like, after a minute, it didn't hurt anymore, and I was like, "That's my hero!" Like, I was happy to be punched by Bruce Lee. I would be At too. At the end of the like, day, what an honor! I got hit by him. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, there's always the stories that he had to slow down his movements because he was so fast that it almost wouldn't register on camera. Uh, I, I heard stories that they would have to change the frame rate. I don't buy that because I don't think they would be playing it back so that it would look normal, you know. But I think no, he, no, did, he did have to then. slow himself down a little bit, but. Um, this is, this is, I think for normies out there who aren't Bruce Lee fans or, you know, are kind of just familiar with like the pop culture version of him. Like this is, this is the jumping in point because I I would say normies have at least seen scenes from this. Wouldn't you agree? I think so. But if you want to go deeper, I would say start here if you haven't seen it in its entirety and then you can kind of get into the more, um, you know, more niche of his his offerings. But this is also the tragedy and sad part of it, wouldn't you say, Mike? Because you're saying, use this as the guy then. This is the perfect example. This is the perfect film. And the only one after this where we talked about his game of death, and he's gone, buddy. Yeah, and this was released after he died. He didn't even get to see this release. And that's like the real tragedy. So I'm saying this is your entry point, but this is unfortunately like Bruce's exit point from... Uh, from us, you know, and that's like a bummer. I mean, I wasn't even alive, but like, it, I just, it's, it's a bummer because this was his masterwork and he didn't get to see it realized. I'm not even sure if he got to see a final edit. Like that's like, I'm not sure. I don't believe he did because from the yeah. stories I've heard, he was very against the hall of mirrors even because it was like, eh, I don't think that's going to turn out well. So yeah. he didn't know how it turned out. And like that 70s show has parodied that scene for God's sake. I mean, like it's so iconic, like that that whole thing. So, yeah, um, I'm bummed out with you, buddy. And you know, the unfortunate yeah. thing is, like I said, this is kind of the X point. You know, where where does Bruce go from here? We talk about his death a little bit. Uh, while he was shooting Game of Death, now this is this is rumor territory. I'm going to say some things yeah. I know, then you'll say some things. You know. What yeah. I have heard is that he suffered an aneurysm, but what people don't know is that much later, it came out that he had his sweat glands removed. He was sort of a vain guy who sort of wanted to get his perception down, body control, stuff like that, didn't want to sweat through suits. And he he always complained about arts. sweating when filming, yeah. 
Yeah, so he had those removed, and it basically overheated him so much, he just boiled his brain, basically. Yeah, and I've heard that, too, that it was just because the sweat glands were removed, but I don't know, because that feels like that's a pretty like easy procedure nowadays. I don't know about back then. So I wonder, Mike, I've never heard anybody get their sweat glands removed. It sounds like science fiction to me. I don't know anything about this. From what I understand, it can get done in about an hour. They kind of go in and there's like a little snip, but I'm not a doctor. Then you're just panting like a dog for the rest of your life. I think he specifically did it under his arms. I don't, it's not all sweat glands. I think it's uh, right. under his armpits, you know, so you can sweat from other places. Um, the thing, there's also rumors that he was poisoned and, you know, the Chinese, you know, martial arts traditionalists or people like that conspired against him. And like, you know, maybe there's that. I don't really buy that, you know, it could just be bad luck. Like the doctors have officially said that he took, uh, this medicine for his headache and just had a bad reaction to it. That also feels suspicious. So there's kind of a cloud around it. I, I, I would like to believe there's no foul play and it's just tragic. It could have been, he's just such an intense guy um, that his brain couldn't handle it. And like you said, I, God. the thing is it was sudden and shocking to the world and his family Everybody, members, yes. his wife, and, uh, his son, Brandon, everybody, no one saw this coming. And that's, he was the, peak physical specimen like no one had abs before bruce lee like in pop mike I, I wanted to save this for the end but as a skinny guy who cannot put on a gram of muscle i mean to look at bruce lee the most shredded human being on the you think he just ate fish and rice exclusively i mean zero percent body fat. the guy is insanely good well he he loved white rice and carbs because he would burn a lot of calories he would eat chicken and fish um, but he would work out all the time. Like he would do full splits while watching TV. Like he would never not be. <laughs> Mike, that's incredible. This is true. And like I would read that, and then I'd be like, I could freaking do that. And then when I was doing karate, I'd be, this out. I'd be in a horse stance playing Final Fantasy, like while my legs are shaking. Like, please, <laughs> let's go. Oh, you know, um, he, doing the dragon flag, which is in Rocky Four, where your shoulders are on the bench and it's like just your abs are holding the entire yeah. two thirds of your body. Yeah, he was a fanatic. He would work out his fingertips, you know, like that was all him. That's how you get so the one how does someone like that, yeah, end up with such like a sudden death? You know, he didn't. How does he become a legend? Like you said, Mike, he, he died before we were gone. It's a JFK situation. There's so much yeah. mystique and mystery surrounding him. When we did our Arnold episode, he's a legend that was part of our lives that we can still look at and say, hey, you know, look at that old man. He's still surviving getting tackled, but unfortunately not. Yeah, I mean, would we be having, you know, more fists of fury, you know, while we're in the world of bringing everyone back? You know, we have Rambo coming out, Last Blood right now, a new Terminator. Would we be getting... Um, exit the dragon. Exit the dragon, or something, right? Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Not getting I, these terrible Bruce flotation films where actors literally change their names to Bruce L E or L I. Sequels yeah, of his Bruce films, yeah, Lee. bullshit. Can we, um, because because of the, you know, the tragedy of his death and the conspiracy, I want to bring up the game of death that they actually finish because the version that I've seen, it's like set up that it's a film production that they are filming the game of yeah, he's movie. a movie star in it yes exactly and then the characters in that movie are attempting to assassinate bruce lee by putting a real gun in a scene that would have a prop gun they, they try to kill bruce lee in that way in the film yeah 
And then Brandon Lee, tragically, while filming The Crow, a prop gun fires out a fragment from the blank or something, a bullet fragment, something was in the prop gun, and kills Brandon Lee in a way that was very similar to The Game of Death, which was finished long before The Crow was in production. That's yeah, just a weird similarity. Is, uh, it's incredible. And it doesn't make the tragic loss of Bruce Lee more painful that he has no legacy because the people in his life disappear as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, Linda is still alive. Uh, in control Shannon, of Shannon's still gone. And Shannon's still gone. But it's like they, they had the curse. Uh, is there the curse of the dragon? Is that a thing? Because Brandon and uh, Bruce both, you know, died too young. And it's, it's Mike, this is the reveal of the podcast real quick. Uh, you mm-hmm. read a Bruce Lee book. I've read Brandon Lee books. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a Brandon Lee fan. Huge reveal right here. Mm-hmm. I would argue for our generation... Mike, he would have been the best movie star. We talked about the meeting of the East and the West, the fact that he was the child of the white mom, you know, mm-hmm. for Bruce Lee, that, that he had all the prestige of the Mark Wars. He's a great actor. He was handsome. He had charisma. His he dad's the coolest. Yeah, His dad's the would, coolest. Yeah, and The Crow was, like, so sick for edgelords and, like, I mean, I yeah. like The Crow. Yeah. I mean, it could just... No, director Alex Proyas has gone on to say that that entire production was on so much cocaine that the stunt guy himself, like you said, had a little bit of buzz still lodged in the top gun with this man and shoot him. Fucking bullshit, dude. It's just, yeah. And it, like I said, it's so uncanny that like the situation set up in the game of death happened to Brandon in like a sort of similar way. Um, Self-fulfilling prophecy. Hey, have I told yeah. you my theory? Have I put this on pod yet uh, when I was doing a little research? Because I told you guys last Halloween, I've never seen The Crow before. So mm. all my fascination with Brandon Lee is pretty recent. Since then, I checked out his other three American offerings, Showdown in Little Tokyo, um, the other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head. But Brandon Lee's incredible. Mike, yeah. his stunt double on The Crow was director David Lee. Now, he's the director now of John Wick. Um, we just wow. saw him do like a zillion fucking other things. Do you think if Brandon had survived, he would be John Wick? No, because that was Keanu's brainchild, but he would definitely have had really? a career. I th- well, yeah. Keanu Reeves is like, I want to shoot guns and do kung fu. Please, can we make a movie? Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. All right, like, I take it back then. In a role similar, and then also, like we said, the, the mirror scene was recreated in John Wick 2 from Enter the Dragon. Yeah. So. Clearly, he had that connection. Oh, have you seen number three yet? Family, I have not oh, seen absolutely. three yet. Oh, you've got the Iron Chef himself playing like a super badass role. Who's like a super fan of John Wick. Brandon Lee could have played that role. Oh, there we go. <laughs> easily, yeah. he could have been common, like just another yeah. assassin. Oh, guy. easy, easy. Anybody. Easy. Um, so that kind of is the life and tragic early death of of Bruce Lee. Um, is there anything else we want to mention? Um, no, I guess we just jump right into the thousands of things we inspired, dude. You want to talk about the video games first? Yeah, let's do the video games first because there's a lot of uh, meat on that bone. All right, let's do some literal street fighting. Oh, boy, there's the- Oh, no, we should have said Game of Death. Game of Death.
We're back. We're talking real games of death, Mike. We're talking the video games inspired by Bruce Lee. And, you know, last time when we were doing the Arnold stuff, uh, some of our readers, I think, even came at us a little bit like, some of these are a stretch. You're saying the cover of Contra and Predator are a little too close. Yeah. Well, this time, we're not stretching at all. Mike. These are designers who are like, oh, every video game character I've ever created is based on Bruce Lee. Yeah. It's and I think every fighting game has a Bruce Lee analog. You know, um, like Fei Long in St- uh, Street Fighter series has it. There's Martial Law and Forest Law in the Tekken series. Like every hold on, let's real quick hit those two. Mike, oh, yeah. both those people you just said from Street Fighter and Tekken, they both use nunchucks. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, there's uh, Jean Lee in the Dead or Alive series as a Jeet Kune Do practitioner. He has very what? He's very. I mean, vocal. hold on. Just even saying that, if you say like, if any of your characters study Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do, it's like, well, yeah, they are obviously inspired by the guy who invented that fighting style. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so I mean, he's been in every, not Bruce Lee himself, but he he ended up in UFC. <laughs> I mean, like, wow. Look, what can we talk about? It's it's thing about Bruce Lee is it, because he kind of made the wave of martial arts cool. Like that made fighting games cool. Like I mean, you can't. I want to game. be Bruce Lee. I want to control Bruce Lee. I can do that by playing Street Fighter. Yeah, and you can't make a fighting game without having an analog. Cause so it's like there's also Balrog, who's um, you know. He was M. Bison in the Japanese. He's the boxer. Like, there's a Mike Tyson. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously, yeah, Mike Tyson, yeah. Right. Like, you'll have a, a Mike Tyson, like, boxing analog. You'll have a Bruce Lee archetype, and you'll have, like, a karate guy. Like, you have to have those. Um, it's just crazy how his style and, like, you know, his mannerisms, his movements, they're so identifiable. And, like, you just you have to put it in. You have to give it up to the legend because that's it, you know? Do you oh, have a favorite... Yeah, oh, no, you can go ahead. I was going to say, you literally had, just in the style that you're talking about of those things, you had people literally seeing these things like John claude Van Damme, who's like, well, let's take that and just make Bloodsport, which is that. And then he goes on to star in the Street Fighter movie, Mike. Like, think about those parallels. <laughs> yeah, it is branching paths all uh, yeah. flowing out from, from the Master Cup. Do you have a favorite, um, <laughs> like, do you play these fighting games? Do you, like, did you main any of these characters? So one of the things I want to talk about why this is super topical for the moment, because Mike, I even texted mm-hmm. you off pod to be like, all these little babies in the Smash Bros. community complaining about Fatal Fury, acting oh, like they yeah. never played it before. Uh, yeah, I, I, I made the comment, when we were kids, you would see arcade cabinets. You know, you'd go to the nice stores. If you went to like a Target or a, you know, just any of the blah, 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 big big stores, big lots, stuff like that. You'd get a Street Fighter arcade machine, you'd get, like, the good fighting machines. Mm-hmm. Now, if you went to a Kmart, a big lots, an odd lot, something like that, like I did in the shitty parts of town, you'd get a Fatal Fury cabinet that was also mixed with Samurai Showdown. Uh, so I would play Fatal Fury, and I would pick the Han Fu character based on Bruce Lee, who used nunchucks. Nice, yeah, and like in in my experience, it was like it's more rare to get the the Fatal Fury cabinet, or you get Samurai Showdown an SNK Neo, cabinet. Yeah, Come the on, Neo Mike. Geo SNK. Like, 
they they had like better graphics and stuff. They were harder to find, I think. I didn't really encounter them much in the wild until I had emulation. So I didn't get to play uh, like Fatal Fury much. But when I got it, that's, you know, now we have Terry Bogart and Smash, obviously. But yeah, Han Fu. Yeah, so when that check. reveal was coming out, I mean, Han <laughs> Fu was in that video where he's reaching out to get the invite. Oh, I'll be in Smash. I'll be in Smash. Sorry, that's for Terry, baby. Yeah, and we knew it would be Terry. But then even, yeah, like Soul Calibur has Maxi who uses Nunchaku. Um, so it's, and he's got like the same jump kick. It's like, you can't, you can't escape it. I no, would do. Well, I was going to say some of those characters literally do the bounce with the fingers out. And there's another guy named Dragon who basically is Bruce Lee. In those yeah, games. You're talking Dragon Chan from Super Punch-Out? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, there's just a bunch of them. I always would main the laws in Tekken. I played a little bit more Tekken. Um, so martial and force law would be what I would play. And when I was a big like martial arts nerd living in the middle of the woods... I would record, like on the VHS tape, like the practice mode of like the jabs. Like I would do like fifty jabs right, fifty jabs left, fifty, ki- and then I would use that as my practice routine for martial arts. Whoa, so Billy use, Blanks, Mike! You were doing yeah, a little Tai Bo before anybody was. I was using Tekken to create my own like workout routine, and it would have like you know a, a loop of like, all right, we're gonna do punches, then kicks, and this and that. Wow, that is so '90s, Mike. That's incredible. Well, the animations were so like authentic to Bruce Lee. Well, they looked like people. That was the cool thing about Tekken was being those full polygons. It was like that was the first time with wireframing where you saw the 3D fully representized people. Where you're like, oh, it is a guy. Yeah, and I was probably doing this around like Tekken three, like like Tekken like around that era. But like, yeah, having the 3D polygons and everything that was really. Really Are you talking about a father and son duo, the Laws, who once again literally look like Bruce Lee? I mean, where the the guys like I don't know, I'm running out of characters. Can we just put in an Asian guy with a bowl cut who's breaking karate? And he gets the uh, kung fu. Let's keep it. <laughs> um, he, uh, oh man, sorry. They have like clones of him though. But then they have the track suit. Like, all right, there we go. Like. Yeah, you're not messing Bruce around. Lee. The minute that yellow tracksuit comes out, guys, like we know what your mind is. Yeah, outside. Um, of, um... Oh yeah, something. Yeah, I do. I I wanted to talk about my last favorite one because this it. was the most ubiquitous for all of us as kids. Because I don't know if you knew that you were being influenced by it, but Bruce was there. We're all sitting down. We're playing Pokemon. Mm. We're really catching. We're the only fighting style Pokemon basically in that first video. Besides Mankey and Primate, yeah, and uh, Machoke, Machamp, those goofballs. They're like wrestlers. They're the not two. martial artists. No, you've yeah. got the martial artist that the game made you pick between. You want this guy or that guy? You want Hitmon Cham, Jackie Cham? You mm-hmm. want Hitmon Lee, Bruce Lee? Baby. Nice, yeah, that's and right. It, I've heard that they well, were. Where, who were you picking? Like? Which one of those guys? Because if I was a kid, Hitmon Chan looked like a boxer, and that was not karate to me. So I was like, get me that Hitmon Lee. Yeah, get me Hitmon Lee. Yeah, I liked Hitmon Lee better. I think Hitmon Chan also was rocking the skirt. I think ten-year-old me was like, no, nah. look like a girl. Which, yeah, let's. We've evolved, people. Don't worry, I'm okay now. Yeah, but, but uh, when you but 10, the boxing, I wasn't a fan a of boxing either. I was like, eh, no. no, but Hitmon Lee. Sick. And then now it didn't scare Smash you that Brothers. he didn't have a mouth like anywhere. 
like even I remember as a kid thinking his design was very scary, even though I did like him. That's true. A Bruce Lee inspired character probably needs a larger mouth to make those noises. But a Bruce Lee inspired thing shouldn't look like a humanoid. It shouldn't look like two legs on like a, a saddle of a cactus or something. You know, it's just like this big brown blob. Yeah, but we're talking about a series that has like animate keys as creatures. So who knows? <laughs> Um, have you played or seen anything of the actual the Xbox Bruce Lee game, Quest of the Dragon? No, definitely not. Do you play as Bruce Lee? Yeah, you play as Bruce Lee. And it's basically you're going through dojos. It's like a 3D beat-em-up, think Streets of Rage or Double Dragon kind of style, but 3D. Um, and you're just Bruce Lee going through like a story mode. I, I didn't play it. I had like a demo, but it was, you know, they had Bruce Lee's likeness and, you know, license for the game. And I think it's the only like not modern council, but like post 2d kind of version of Bruce Lee. That's not in a fighting game. Um, I haven't played it. Can't recommend it, but if you want to see some Bruce Lee, it's out there on Xbox. It might be hard to play because if you don't have an Xbox laying around, good luck, but it's there. Those artifacts of Bruce Lee. I've not played it willing to bet that one does not hold up. I would guess not. I could check the Metacritic quickly. And would you have a guess? I'm going to say 60%. Mm, I'll say 50. We are at ooh, 32. Okay. Uh, uh, it seems yeah. like it doesn't hold up, but how can you capture the majesty of Bruce Lee in a, in a video game? Uh, but you hate that for the actual title of Bruce Lee, the phenomenon, not just all these homages where, again, these nerds are like, you're the greatest Bruce, but for him to be like, I'm going to finally slap my name on his estate. Sorry, there were no video games back when he was going, but I'll no. put my name on this one. It fucking blows. Leaves a feeling of mediocrity in your stomach after playing. All right. Thanks. Classic. So, <clears throat> basically, yeah, there's not... If you like Bruce Lee, he's a fighter play the fighting games that's where he's going to be i like i love the laws is my personal choice um now that snk is coming back because of the terry bogard news like you could check out the fatal fury games and the king of fighters series if you want to check out some of their offerings um and street fighters oh, snk is dropping all those bundles on the switch by the way so that's pretty much the reason they're partnering up with nintendo right now yeah and the thing was the reason those games aren't as well known is because the Neo Geo consoles that were coming out were so much more expensive. It was like prohibitive. So if you had one, you probably had more money and like it was just, they were harder to come by. But the quality of the graphics and everything was better. It's just, it's like beta and VHS. Beta was better, but VHS was cheaper and therefore more people could access it. So um, well, now it's good that there's a thousand listeners who were yes, born sorry. in 2010. Yeah, sorry, y'all. There was two types of tapes besides VHS. <laughs> there were two tapes. Yeah, like nobody cares. Um, yeah, they don't care. But uh, so now that you're getting kind of the SNK stuff coming back, uh, it's cool because if you didn't see it before, I think it's definitely as far as gaming. Uh, hey, like if Rex goes in, Bruce should yeah. be updated. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that pretty much covers it for I think Bruce Lee and the video games. You want to hop over to some comics and other things uh, that he inspired after that. Yeah, let's not draw it out any further. Nice. I was going to go ahead and crack open the towel of Jeet Kune Do.
we're back. We're talking Bruce Lee in the comic books. Um, so this is, once again, like the video games, a lot of territory to cover. Because when you get into the specifics of it, like The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, that was a 1970s pulp rag, you know, magazine that would go out, yellow mm-hmm. pages with just like badass Kung Fu tales for kids to pick up for a court problem, right? Nice. So we see them fail. Because, of course, like all publications, they're running into hard times in the 70s. What purchases them up? Marvel. And dismantles them to uh, use all their characters for parts. What does that sound like? Sounds like uh, Disney. Yeah, a little, bit, uh, a little bit of a history there. Uh, huh, maybe, Mike? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, uh, it's the company culture, we can say. But yeah, before yeah. that happened, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu had done their own magazines where literally issue number seven is like the Bruce Lee story, where it just goes through his life, animates oh, him wow. fully, shows him doing bouts, uh, talks about Henry Dragon coming up soon. Before that, it gets purchased up, and we lose him. And obviously, Marvel can't make Bruce Lee just a character in their comic books. So they're thinking, what do we do? What do we do? Let's repurpose one of the other characters Deadly Hands of Kung Fu has, named mm-hmm. Shang-Chi, and we'll make him the master of Kung Fu. We'll start printing our own imprint called the Master of Kung Fu that's going to go on this huge exploitation wave of all the kids love Kung Fu now. I mean, come on. Now, Mike, we yeah. talked in our last episode on the 60th, we're getting a Shang-Chi movie. Right, we're finally getting that coming out in the new phase, and uh, yeah, it- all meandering around back to here we are again. We're getting the superhero who was inspired by a Bruce Lee comic book. We're getting that movie now. Oh, inspired by Mike. Let me tell you what Shane look is. He wears a red tracksuit and carries black nunchucks. Yep. It's a That's palette swap. <laughs> That's yeah, I mean that martial law player too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we both picked martial law, Mike. It's unfortunate. You don't get the main color, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, I mean... And this is Are you familiar with Shang-Chi at all? I'm not really, because I wasn't really a comic guy. Um, but I've been becoming more aware of Shang-Chi as all the news has been coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Are you familiar with him? Are you a fan of the Shang-Chi? I have. You know, I've talked about it before. My 300 Marvel Now trade paperbacks that I collect in the back there. Out of all of those, I have one Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. It is the only book with Shang-Chi that I have in it. It's yeah. a four-issue miniseries. And Mike, it's the plot of Enter the Dragon. He's an MI6 operative who has to go to China where a warlord is doing malicious things. He yeah. has to sort of duplicitously break in, pretend to be other people, and then it just ends up being a huge parodic ballad. Nice. Should that be the plot of the movie? Would you like to see it be Enter the Dragon inspired? Huh. I wonder if I would... I'd need to see the execution. I like the casting. Um, I I wonder if it would feel like too derivative or if it would be a nice homage. I don't know. I, I would like Ooh. to see like a James Bondy Marvel movie, like something that's more like... You know, like, you know how Ant-Man is like a heist movie? I would love to see something like Spy and like martial arts. But they said all that bullshit with Black Panther where they were like, he's so international. He's basically James Bond. I'm with you. I would like to see the embrace of, no, Shang-Chi is our James Bond. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we are just going to remake Game of Death slash Enter the Dragon with our huge Disney budget. Meaning we'll Force Awakens this shit. And I'll be like, oh, yes. (laughs) Just get me within punching distance of him. 
you know Seriously, that's awesome man. like i don't need I a shield it. i don't need nothing just get me close enough to punch him do you think we'll see some straight homages in either a you know i would say five minute montage that starts with a nunchuck demonstration or a one-inch punch do you think we'll get a hall of mirrors Oh, I would love a one-inch punch. The Hall of Mirrors is when he crosses over with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I love it. Yeah, that's when you get that. I think definitely. I, I'm excited, yeah, to see where it goes. Definitely more than Iron Fist. Um, oh, 100%. And this was a character in the 70s, Mike, uh, who was crossing over with Iron Fist all the time. You know, right. uh, it's unfortunate that Master of Kung Fu, Shang-Chi, he didn't hold his own book, but neither did Iron Fist either. So that was just the way Marvel was. And they had to give a martial arts to like a Caucasian because we need to have a point of view character for the general audience. Like I get it, you know, but I'm it's the David Carradine story, Doug. Yeah, yeah, and like even Bruce Lee understood that, right? But uh, I want to see see this version for sure. Um, I want to see it, and I'm super excited also that Chen Chi will be just a character in Marvel movies. Like you just said, him crossing over Doctor Strange. We know he's getting his own movie, but there's no reason a badass karate guy can't show up and. Thor, Love and Thunder, right? Like, how cool would that be for five minutes? The monk in our D&D campaign, his thing is like, I see shit I don't like, and I punch. It doesn't matter if he's, like, outmatched and almost dies. Like, he just goes for it. But that attitude of, like, Thanos 2.0, I punch him. Like, it's so cool. (laughs) That's very grasshopper. That's very comfortable. I like that. I would love to see something like that. Like, oh, yeah, here's, you know, Galactus. Can I punch him? Yeah, I guess so. All right, should we talk a little bit more about the manga influences? Because this is where it's more dead on, right? Like, let's talk yeah. about Shiro from Fist of the North Star. Are you familiar oh, with that character? I love the Fist of the North Star series because it's two of my favorite things. It's Mad Max and Bruce Lee rolled into one. It's so Mike, sad. so not familiar with it at all. My brother loved it. I read in the Wikipedia right before we started this that what they did was let's put Bruce Lee in Mad Max's Max Rockatansky's outfit. Mm-hmm. Mike, I was immediately like, why can't the next Mad Max just have like Bruce Lee in it and fucking Kung Fu and everything? This sounds so incredible, dude. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's so sick because he's just he's Mad Max. He just roams the wasteland. It's post-apocalyptic. But instead of like driving cars and using a sawed-off Benelli, he just punches so hard that your head explodes. It's it's amazing. He has like the hundred strikes, wow. like what? Like they took Bruce Lee's yelling and just amped it up to a hundred, and he punches you so hard. And then that's where you get that meme now, where it's like, "Omaiwa mo shinderu," which means you are already dead because he'll like punch the shit out of somebody oh, or like shit. hit him once. And then just turn his back on him. And then they're talking shit like, is that all you got, you you son of a bitch? And he'll just be like, omai wa mo shinderu. And then their head explodes. Dude, I'm fucking he walks away. Here, a badass guy walks away from an explosion of fire, but only Kenshiro walks away from an explosion of your body that he caused. <laughs> of the dude he just killed. Oh, my yeah. God. And he so is the fist of the North Star? Or his That's his fighting is technique, the fist of the, fist of the gotcha. North Star. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's his so own Jeet Kune Do? That's awesome. Yeah, he's so sick. So there's mangas, uh, there's m- movies, obviously. It kind of is a little gritty. Like, it feels a little like Berserk in the tone. Uh, but he's always, like, saving, you know, the weak from injustice. It's, like, classic. It's a, is it a seinen? It's not a shonen? It's seinen. Yeah, it's seinen for sure. It's definitely for a little bit more mature audience. Lots of gore and heavier themes of, you know, pillaging and 
the things that come with that. But he's fucking cool. So if you like Mad Max and or Bruce Lee, Fist of the North Star is definitely worth checking out. out now. God it's, damn, that sounds so good. It's so good and so classic. So yeah. Um, All right. How about another one? This is one that, again, I'm not familiar with, but as a guy who was one piece, one piece, one piece, I did see the DC Marvel rivalry that was one piece Naruto. So are you familiar with Naruto at all? Yeah, I'm familiar with Naruto. I watched up to like right before like Shippuden started and now there's like a bunch of spinoffs. I watched probably the first 400 episodes. That was the time skip for them. Gotcha. Okay. I got up to the, the time skip right before they fought Orochimaru and stuff. So I, I'm familiar with Rock Lee and Gara and the whole tournament arc. So, yeah. Uh, so Rock Lee, the character from mm-hmm. the Hidden Leaf, the main village, blah, blah, blah. And his teacher might die. Now, Mike, mm-hmm. these are two guys who wear singlets in one color, Tracks have bowl cuts, giant eyes, <laughs> yeah, tracksuits, you're right, and do the most badass karate you've ever seen in your fucking life. Who does that sound like? Bruce Lee, and I want That's to clarify. Right. I, I gotta, we gotta keep kung fu and karate distinct. I'm sorry, I know it's I know. all right. Because even when I was watching The Way of the Dragon, I found the interesting distinctions between when he goes to the restaurant. Finally, the grandma says, "Oh, you're teaching them Chinese martial arts, not kung fu." I was like, "Oh, interesting." There is that yeah, distinction. Bruce would be upset because uh, karate originates from Japan, and I think just just to be clear, kung fu is you know the Chinese martial arts kind of broad. Yeah, term. I'm being uh, a guyo or whatever you guys call me. Right? Oh no, no, you're go. doing fine, but um. Yeah, the idea of Rock Lee doing this kind of kung fu open fist thing, it's very Bruce Lee. They wear the tracksuit and there's a my I've thing seen about, up to the, the Gara fight. Have you seen that stuff where he's really opening up and doing his full on? Yeah, that's super badass. Well what's sick about that is there's the reveal, spoiler alert, that the whole time that he's been fighting, he's like super awesome. But then he's been wearing these weighted clothes. That are oh, Goku. It's like hundreds of pounds, but you never knew it. And then he takes them off to reveal. And when he drops them, it creates like a crater because they were so heavy, you know. And it's like now I can move full speed. And it's like, dude, Rockley, you're fucking cool. So, but yeah. I mean, wasn't that also kind of embracing Bruce's style of like you're saying with the water and stuff and going up against obstacles and to and always getting and stronger? Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, Rockley is is a very good version. Um, the next one you have on the notes here, I'm not too uh, familiar with here. For Mulan from Green Hornet. Yeah, so that is truly Kato's daughter. <laughs> uh, believe okay. it or not, the character is named Mulan, and it's a female representation of Bruce Lee, where the character Mike is modeled after Shannon Lee, his daughter. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. The legacy lives on, you know. Yeah, very sad, my friend. Yep. Um, I mean, that's kind of covers, I think, the the comic side and uh, anime manga influences of Bruce Lee. The main ones, definitely, I recommend Kenshiro. And if you're a Naruto fan, you already know that Rock Lee is the man. So Yeah, guys, yeah. and truly reach out to us because you're going to say, they missed this character, they missed that character. It's because, once again, every video game where people fight and every character where somebody's doing badass martial arts is based on Bruce Lee. Yeah, let us know your favorite Bruce Lee analog that we missed uh, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, shout it out. All right, well, we're going to go ahead. Should we jump in? Yeah, let's wrap these fists up and knock out the outro.
We're back, guys. We were talking Bruce Lee on another Legends episode of Norman's Like Us. Uh, again, reach out to us if you guys have any ideas for any other Legends you want to talk about. But Bruce, wrapping up here, Mike, um, I love martial arts films. We said it before, our guys were not Bruce Lee. Our guys were Jet Li's The One, Chow Young yeah. Fat's Bulletproof Monk, uh, the Rush Hour series with Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. I loved those as a kid. It's because those guys love Bruce Lee. Yeah, or Bruce Lee opened the door for those guys. I think that's you know what we can take away is Bruce Lee opened the door for the martial arts action hero the way that Arnold and Stallone opened the door for the muscle-bound action hero. And then when he died, there was this void, and that's where you got the genre of Bruce Lee-like films. But then Jackie Chan was able to establish himself as a leading man instead of just a stuntman. And then Jet Li was able to come out. And then um, you have Donnie Yen, who had been famous in Asia, but now he can cross over, and he's in the new Star Wars. He was in Rogue One. Um, Mike, you it, got Donnie Yen portraying his teacher, Ip Man, in the Ip Man series. How fucking incredible is that? And if nobody knew who Bruce Lee was, no one would have given a shit who trained him. So you wouldn't have got Ip Man without Bruce Lee's legacy. So just wanted to highlight that and the trickle down of, yeah, I grew up initially watching, yeah, Jet Li and Jackie Chan and then... Bruce Lee was brought to me by my older cousins, and I was like, this is the source, this is the sauce, this guy is the greatest, his philosophies about life and everything are just so sick. Um, And I want to shout out uh, two of my cousins, I was texting them yesterday, I was like, hey, what's like your favorite Bruce Lee fact? And one of them shout out the the British ancestry, and the other one shouted out the story where he stopped uh, for the students. So Chris and Steven... You know, thanks. Chris is also the one who lent me the Tao of Jeet Kune Do books. Like he, me and him were kind of parallelly like obsessed with Bruce Lee at that time. Wow. All right. Yeah. So I kind of talked about it at the top. I want to do my watch it real quick. Mike, I saw yes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mike Moe, the actor who has portrayed him before, portrayed mm-hmm. Bruce Lee in the film as a central character. Did you check out the film as well? I have not seen it yet. I, the biggest thing that appealed to me in the trailer was bruce lee though i have not seen oh, it i believe it buddy i guarantee you would go for it just for that i don't care about um, Pitt or any of that just bruce lee here's my opinion i would say everybody check the movie out you know regardless of the bruce lee portrayal but i want to talk a little bit about the fallout because you have shannon lee his daughter coming out and saying that's not how bruce was okay you have uh, kareem abdul jabbar writing think pieces for the new york times saying that wasn't my trainer he wasn't a cocky guy like that. But Mike, here's what I would say as a guy who didn't do as much research as you. Mm-hmm. I believe that, yes, he was cocky, but I don't think that's a negative trait. I think it's a, a qualifier people are putting on that they try to bring down and with. But you know, to be cocky just means that you're confident in your abilities. And was he confident? Absolutely. He was the Mike Tyson of Kung Fu. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, he never threatened to eat anybody's children. You know, like Mike Tyson did. Very I, think, I think that confidence gets misconstrued with cockiness. And he would kind of like to joke around like we saw with the Burt Ward thing. Like, yeah, he would kind of joke around and play with it. But I don't think he was cocky. But he knew that he could kick the shit out of anybody. But also because of that, like he carried a, a gun on him. Because oh, even really? he knew. Even he knew you never know what people are going to try. Especially if you're someone like look yes. at Houdini. Like that guy just punched oh, him in the stomach. I was literally about to say that. I guarantee that yeah. that spread fear amongst those people where it is. If you have this audience participation where people think, 
Booker's the strongest man in the world. I can do anything I want to. I bet even Andre the Giant sometimes was like, okay, I don't know what I'm about to get into, but everybody just kind of leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, like in The Princess Bride. I'm, I'm, I'm more used to fighting a lot of guys. But um, yeah, so I don't think he was cocky like that. But yeah, it's funny that we get Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but also the Kill Bill, David Carradine, and Uma Thurman in the jumpsuit. And even the crazy 88s look like Kato. Yes, so my... It's clearly not Quentin Tarantino being malicious. Can we at least agree on that? This is clearly a guy who loved Bruce Lee. He loves it. Yeah, he absolutely loves it. And that's just a big homage to that. And yeah, I mean, I've never owned a yellow tracksuit, but it doesn't mean there's not time for me. Hey, buddy, after this episode, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. Oh, man. It's coming up in Halloween. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll I'll be Bruce. All right, guys. Um, I think that's it for me for uh, the Bruce Lee. I did want to mention the Kill Bill thing because we didn't uh, mention that that's a very clear uh, reference that he made. Uh, but even that series has broader references to Kung Fu film in general. You know, Chow Yun Fat with the long uh, whiskers that he's flowing through the wind. So all that stuff is a love letter to Bruce. Uh, we love Bruce. I love Bruce. Um, who knows what would have happened if he survived longer? What we're left with is essentially four complete films and one epic set of fight scenes from game of death that we can look back on and a series of books drawings, sketches diaries that he kept explaining his philosophy there's plenty to check out if you want to learn more about his philosophies and beliefs it's it's all out there and just don't sleep on bruce because a lot of things that you like came from him be like water my friends Ooh, very well said buddy all right. Well, Normies, again, if you have any recommendations for anything beyond Legends and the episodes that you'd like to see us cover, hit us at Insta, at Normies underscore life underscore us. Always a good way to get a hold of us. Uh, we've been your host. This is Colin. This is Mike. All right. Good, uh, good combat, buddy. I bow to you. I bow to you, and I keep my eyes on my opponent. And now, I... Yeah! Ah! Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory.